Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. As I've done for the first two weeks of the fantasy playoffs, I'll go through each Week 17 matchup and give one or two thoughts to help set your lineup for the fantasy championship. Starting off with the final Thursday night football game of the season, Cowboys at Titans, and it sounds like Tennessee will at least consider resting some guys, which could include Derrick Henry, ahead of what is essentially the AFC South championship in Week 18 versus the Jaguars but I'd like to see Tennessee open up the offense for Malik Willis to see if he can maybe build some momentum before the season finale. And the rookie has drawn plenty of criticism for his play this season, but he was always going to be a developmental quarterback at the NFL level. And the best chance of pulling off an upset would be allowing him to play more free, both as a thrower and a runner. That said, though, I probably wouldn't strongly consider Willis as even a QB2 option because the Cowboys have one of the league's best defenses, and this could be a game where it gets out of hand quickly. But for the Dallas offense, they've shown they're willing to keep their foot on the gas, and this is a matchup as someone with CeeDee Lamb in my main fantasy league that I've been looking forward to. Lamb was dominant last week against the Eagles, and we have him as our top-ranked wideout for Week 17. He'll probably be used similarly to how Evan Ingram was a couple of weeks ago when he completely torched Tennessee. Obviously, different positions with wide receiver and tight end, but Lamb can dominate the intermediate areas of the field, do damage after the catch, and won't be able to be focused on because of all the weapons for Dallas. So Lamb should have a monster game, and I also like Michael Gallup as an upside flex option, with the Titans allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing wideouts. Now for Sunday's action, starting with Cardinals at Falcons. I think if you are still alive with DeAndre Hopkins, you have to start him based on the talent. There were a couple of plays to be made, whether it was Trace McSorley missing him when open or Hopkins dropping the pass in last week's loss to the Bucks. So hopefully either another week of McSorley getting reps in practice will make it more comfortable throwing to Hopkins or Colt McCoy is recovered from his concussion and will be more efficient getting the ball to Arizona's top wideout. So it's tough to view him as a wide receiver one this week, but we have him as a borderline top 15 option. And also, Greg Dortch is back on the radar. It was surprising he was such a big factor last week after a couple of games in a row where he didn't even get a target, I don't think. But that's a valuable role, especially in PPR formats in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. So Dortch can be a flex option with a high floor against the Falcons. For the next game, Bears at Lions. We have Jared Goff as our overall QB7 this week. Chicago has been prone to bust in coverage. And I think Ben Johnson and the Lions will take advantage of that with golf playing perhaps the best football of his career. He just had 355 yards and three scores last week on the road in a cold weather game. So being back in the dome at Ford Field should keep his upside high with the offensive full strength, throwing to Armando St. Brown, DJ Chark, and Jamison Williams, who like to tweet about his frustration with his role and could be a decent flyer as a flex option with the hopes that him and golf connect on a deep shot. And for the Bears, Justin Fields had almost 40 fantasy points in the previous matchup versus Detroit, and that was due to 147 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. So with Detroit typically not wanting to use a quarterback spy, Fields can have another huge day against them, and we have him as their overall QB3, despite slowing down in recent weeks. For Jaguars at Texans, this is another game where Jacksonville could theoretically rest players with an eye towards Week 18. And another wrinkle here is that losing to Houston 
could knock them out of the number one overall pick, which could be big with Bryce Young, in my opinion, being the clear top quarterback option in 2023. But assuming the Jaguars play, they've shown they'll feed Travis Etienne, who had 25 touches last Thursday night, and he was great in the first matchup against Houston with 10 carries for 71 yards. So I'd say he has weak winning upside, assuming Jacksonville is playing to win in Week 17. Next up, Broncos at Chiefs. It'll be interesting to see how the Denver offense will be changed following the firing of Nathaniel Hackett, but Russell Wilson had perhaps his best game of the season in the first matchup against Kansas City, and the temperatures warming up some around the NFL makes the road matchup less daunting, but it's still difficult to trust Wilson based on how he's looked for the majority of the season, and the Chiefs should be more focused after nearly blowing their big lead in the first matchup. Before Andy Reid's offense, we have Patrick Mahomes as the overall QB1, Travis Kelsey as usual as the overall tight end one, and I'd continue rolling with Jarek McKinnon after he went off against Denver in the first matchup. And based on the collapse by the Broncos on Christmas, Isaiah Pacheco should be positioned to have a nice day if the tackling doesn't improve based on how hard he runs. Now one of the biggest games of the week, Dolphins at Patriots. And I'll be interested to see how the Patriots split the work in the backfield if Damian Harris is back. When healthy, Harris started all but one game this season, and Ramondre Stevenson had the costly fumble late last week and started the Jacoby Myers lateral play against the Raiders a couple of weeks ago. But Bill Belichick has loved the second year back and basically downplayed any loss of confidence in him following the fumble. So if nothing else, maybe Harris will gain some of the goal line work and he's performed well in the past versus Miami with 248 total yards in three career matchups. So Stevenson remains a low-end RB1 because of his role in the passing game, but Harris can be a decent flex option if he returns to the lineup this week. Moving on to Colts at Giants, with New York still looking to wrap up a postseason spot. Because that's the case, I could see Saquon Barkley, who caught eight passes last week, being featured with a 30-touch game to wrap things up and then give them the option to rest in Week 18. And Indianapolis has played hard against the run, but Barkley was close to breaking multiple chunk plays in Week 16. And this is a spot based on how the Colts have played offensively, where New York might be able to play from ahead and lean on their best player at home to get into the postseason. And for Indy's offense, I guess New York not being built to blow teams out would bode well for Zach Moss, who dominated the backfield work on Monday night, and he looked very impressive but the Colts are just very difficult to trust. So because of Indy's difficulty scoring touchdowns, Moss is probably more of a flex than RB2. Another NFC's team looking to lock things up this week as the Eagles try to win a game to clinch the number one seed. They'll host the Saints, who are still alive in the NFC South. Alvin Kamara expressed frustration about not playing too much on third downs, which has severely limited his fantasy upside and floor compared to previous seasons. So we'll see if that changes this week. And if Gardner Minshew draws another start for the Eagles, he'll be a low-end QB1 at home. And as shown last week, both A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith shouldn't really see a downgrade in terms of their fantasy outlooks. So we continue to rank Brown as a wide receiver one, and Smith, who was phenomenal on Christmas Eve, is a definite upside wide receiver two. Now for perhaps the biggest game of the week, with the NFC South up for grabs, the Panthers travel to face the Buccaneers. Deontay Foreman and the Carolina running game was basically unstoppable last week and they went over Detroit. But Tampa Bay, for all their struggles, will be a much more difficult matchup. And Foreman has run very hot and cold 
And with so much on the line, I think Todd Bowles' defense will come to play. So I'd say Foreman is a flex option rather than an RB2. And for the Bucks, we finally downgraded Tom Brady, clearly out of the QB1 ranks. Tampa Bay was shut out in the first game versus Carolina. And Brady played one of the worst games I've seen of him on Christmas night before he was able to flip a switch when the Bucks went down 16-6. to If you were in a dynasty league, I still think Brady will play next year and can still play at a very high level, but things haven't really come together this season for the Bucks, and fantasy owners are much better going off with someone like Jared Goff or Gardner Minshew in Week 17. The final 1 p.m. game, Browns at Commanders, and Cleveland has been eliminated from playoff contention following their loss to the Saints, while Washington is hoping to find their way into the postseason in a crowded NFC field. I don't think the Browns will be resting anyone. I know Nick Chubb was dealing with a foot injury that put him on the injury report last week, but he's someone that wants to play and is due for a big game with zero touchdowns and four starts by Deshaun Watson. And I also like David Njoku as a tight end one. Last week was obviously a disappointment with wintry conditions being a factor, but I'm not overly concerned about the matchup versus the commanders. They just allowed a big game to George Kittle. And despite allowing the six fewest fantasy points per game to the position, Washington has allowed quite a bit of production to tight ends that are featured, which Njoku should be in Kevin Stefanski's offense. And for the commanders, John Dotson has been on fire in recent games since again being featured as a key part of the offense after his role was questioned. Dotson has gone for lines of 554-1, 4-105-1, and 6-76-1, and now he could get Carson Wentz back under center after the two showed a very strong connection to begin the year with four touchdowns in not even four full games. So Terry McLaurin should be a strong wide receiver too, but Dotson, who is still available in almost 70% of ESPN.com leagues, should definitely be rostered at this point and is worth a start in Week 17. With the 49ers versus the Raiders, who are still in playoff contention at 6-9, Josh McDaniels said they need to get the passing attack going, and for those who survived Devontae Adams, totaling, I think, 43 scoreless yards over the past two weeks. He could be primed for a huge game versus a San Francisco defense that he's typically dominated with per-game averages of 14.5 targets, 9.8 receptions, 120 receiving yards, and 1.3 touchdowns, and that's in poor career matchups. So with weather not being a factor in Las Vegas, Adam should be a top-three option at wide receiver, and I don't think this needs to be explained, but there should be absolutely no consideration of benching him. For Jets at Seahawks, both teams looking to make it into the postseason. Sauce Gardner should be a difficult matchup for DK Metcalf, but because he doesn't travel or switch sides, Metcalf can still produce, especially when he lines up on the smaller DJ Reed, who plays right cornerback. I'm sure New York, especially if Tyler Lockett is out, will shade their coverage towards Metcalf, but it was encouraging that the Seahawks got the ball to him underneath last week, and Metcalf has produced in difficult matchups in the past. For the Jets, Mike White will be back under center, with Zach Wilson being demoted to the number three and a healthy and active. Maybe next week, with somewhat of a look-ahead episode, I'll get more into Wilson and what his value might be for the future. But there's no denying that White's insertion back into the starting lineup will be good for the New York pass catchers. So Garrett Wilson could be a more comfortable wide receiver too. And I like both Elijah Moore and Corey Davis as decent flex options in deeper leagues. For Vikings and Packers, we'll have to keep an eye on the status of Christian Watson 
who was dealing with hip injury that knocked him out on Christmas. But Minnesota can be attacked on the outside, so Watson will be an upside flex if he's active. And if not, Romeo Dobbs will get a boost, perhaps into the wide receiver three ranks. And this is another game where it will be interesting to see how Justin Jefferson is defended. He went off in week one against the Packers with nine receptions, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. And Jefferson has been on fire in recent games with at least 11 receptions and 123 receiving yards in each of the past three weeks. So with the Packers playing sides with J.R. Alexander and Rasul Douglas, I look for Jefferson to mostly avoid Alexander, and he's probably worth paying up for in DFS lineups. For the Battle of Los Angeles with the Rams taking on the Chargers, the game doesn't have too much meaning with the Chargers in the playoffs and the Rams at 5-10, and 10, but Sean McVay's squad played extremely hard on Christmas, and Cam Akers has said they want to finish the season strong. So we have Akers boosted way up into the borderline RB1, RB2 ranks, taking on the soft defense of the Chargers. And I'm curious to see how Jalen Ramsey is used in coverage, whether it be mostly on Mike Williams on the outside or with his increased play in the slot being used more on coverage against Keenan Allen. But either way, the start wideouts for Justin Herbert should remain in lineups. Ramsey has allowed, I think, seven or eight touchdowns this season. So this isn't a matchup to avoid, and the Chargers should still be playing to improve their playoff seeding over the final two weeks. On Sunday night, a big AFC North clash between the Steelers and Ravens. Deontay Johnson had six receptions for 82 yards in the first matchup, and I was impressed by both him and George Pickens last week, as they seemed to not at all be affected by the cold weather. So with Kenny Pickett being comfortable throwing to both of them, Deontay is moving towards the top 24. But like the first matchup, we can expect a slugfest, especially if Lamar Jackson is out again for Baltimore. I think the priority will be stopping J.K. Dobbins after he rushed for 120 yards against them earlier this month. But Dobbins has been great this year with 5.7 yards per carry, so it'll be tough to move him out of the RB2 ranks, even if Pittsburgh is more stout against Iran after they were able to shut down Josh Jacobs on Christmas Eve. And finally, to close out Week 17, one of the most highly anticipated matchups of the season with the Bills taking on the Bengals. Cincinnati has been excellent on defense under Luana Romo, and I could see them routinely doubling Stephon Diggs to make sure he doesn't beat him. But Diggs has been a little too quiet with yardage totals of 37, 60, and 26 with zero scores over the past three weeks. So I think he can have a breakout game for what could be a shootout on Monday night. And this matchup is pretty self-explanatory with the options. You're going to start all the studs from Diggs to Jamar Chase to T. Higgins. And hopefully if it turns into a high-scoring game, Gabe Davis can break free for a long touchdown. And Dawson Knox, despite disappointment for much of the year, has scored in three consecutive games. And he'll be worth starting as a low-end tight end one, considering all the tension Diggs and others can draw for the Buffalo offense. So that will conclude this episode. As stated, I'll be back next week with maybe a combination of Week 18 advice and some general dynasty tips. But for this week, with many playing for a fantasy championship, you can find our full rankings on wolfsports.com. Until next time, thank you for listening. Happy New Year and best of luck this week. I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast.